0: Hello, my name is Jordan Tardo, and I'm the lead pastor at Experience Church. I'd like to take a moment and just say thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast today. I hope this message blesses you. I hope it encourages you. I hope it strengthens you for what God has called you to today. We're in a series called Baggage, and I want to take a moment and just say, Hey, it's been a great series. If you've missed some of these, you know we've been going through these for the last, you know, a few months. And if you've missed some of these, would encourage you to go back. Really believe this series has really been a blessing. Hope it's been a blessing to you. I know it has to been to me. And we really the text for the series has been Hebrews chapter 12 and verse one. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. Let us strip off every weight, all the baggage, especially every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. We do this by putting our eyes, our setting our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Okay, they're challenging me, they're challenging me. They're challenging. We must not be up there. Okay, challenge of faith. And we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. And this is what the scripture says. And listen, today, I want to talk to you from this, where it says we we lay aside the baggage. We lay aside the weight. We strip it off. We take it off. And really, we've been talking about different things that we carry as baggage in our lives that sometimes we realize we're carrying. Sometimes we don't realize we're carrying. And it can hinder us from really being the people we want to be, but then also the people that God desires for us to be. And I want to talk to you today about the baggage of doubt, the baggage of doubt. We get our story in a text of the scripture today uh, from Zechariah. Uh, he was a man who was John the Baptist's father. Many of you probably know the story, uh, but I want to show it to you uh, in Luke chapter one, starting in verse five. It says, in the time of Herod, king of Judea, Judea there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah." His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron, verse 6, but both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees, uh, blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Come on, somebody. When, when Zechariah, uh, uh, but once Zechariah's division was on duty, He was serving as priest before uh, God, and he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. Verse 10, and when the time of the burning of incense came, all the assembled uh, worshipers were praying outside, then the angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zachariah saw, saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you will call him John. We're gonna skip down to verse 18 for the sake of time. The angel is talking about who John will be and what he will do. In verse 18, it says, "Zachariah asked the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? I am an old man and my wife is well along in her years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. and I've been sent to speak to you and tell you This good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child was born, for my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Many of you probably know the story. What happens is uh, Zachariah leaves. He's not able to speak. He goes uh, for months until the baby is born. The Bible says that they, they ask him what his name will be. Many believe that his name's gonna be Zachariah because that's what happens, especially in biblical times. They would carry on the name of the father. And he says he writes down the the, the the boy's name's John, and immediately he can begin to speak again. And so from this story, we see the text of really uh, this this thought process of doubt. And I want to talk to you about this because oftentimes doubt can be looked at, especially uh, as Christians, it can be looked at as such a negative thing, and it can, and it can be. But it can it what happens is we can oftentimes think that doubt is just for unbelievers and doubt is for people that don't know God or are far from God. But I want to show you you that that is actually not the case in Luke chapter 1 in verse 6 it says both of them were righteous in the sight of God observing all the Lord's command commands and decrees blamelessly it shows us this that everyone has times of doubt it says that they were righteous in the sight of God now if you know the text of the scripture in the old testament Abraham the bible says was counted righteous not because of how good he did something the Bible says he was, he was counted righteous because of his faith, because he believed he was then counted as righteous. So now the scripture says, this is before Jesus enters the, 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 the circumstance here, the situation, it's before Jesus is alive, it says both of them were considered righteous, meaning they were righteous because of their faith. Okay, now here's what's interesting. It says, in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands, so they walked in obedience, and then it says, and, their de- and decrees blamelessly. So here's what happens. Oftentimes we look at people or we think of the t- concept of doubt and it's this unbeliever type process of, oh, it's people that are far from God, they don't know God. It's a, the atheist concept. And, but really doubt, really at some point in all of our lives, we've, we've walked with we, we, different areas. And it's interesting because right here, they, it says that they were considered righteous. So that means they had faith, but yet they believed in God, but he doubted God's word here. He believed in God, but he doubted God's word. It shows us as Christians, as believers, this can happen to us, that we can believe in God. We can be, right, we can be righteous in, in standing with God, of understanding he loves us and he cares for us. But then uh, we're believing for something and it doesn't come to pass and so we're continuing to wait. And all of a sudden, this doubt comes over us and we start to think, okay, is God really gonna do this? Is he really gonna, is he gonna, is he really gonna save my family member like he says he will? Is he really gonna heal me from this sickness that I've been walking through? Or is he really gonna free me from this, this struggle that I've been walking? Through? And so doubt can cre- cripple, uh, creep in, excuse me, and we think that, oh, doubt is just this, this thing that non-believers do. But if we're not careful, and for those that are believers in the room, what can happen is, and online, what can happen is we can just kind of brush aside and like, oh, no, no, doubt's for bad people. Doubt's for bad people. When we realize it's not, doubt is actually, it hits all of us at different times of our lives. Here's what we know. And we have to understand about doubt. Just because we have moments of doubt does not be- mean we are disobedient. Doubt can creep in in our lives and our minds, and we start to think that we're not good enough Christians. We can start to think that, oh, we shouldn't be thinking this way. We've been serving God for five years or 10 years or 20 years or three months or six months, and we shouldn't be thinking this way. Why are, we, why are we questioning this? It shows us even though this man, he was a priest, he had been serving God his whole life probably, and yet here's what happens. He still has a moment of doubt, and so it shows us just because we doubt does not mean we're walking into disobedience. In fact, I would say this. I would say doubt is a force fork in the road of our lives doubt is a fork in the road of our lives meaning this we can look at it from the very beginning of time the very first situation of sin it was when it was when the serpent the enemy tempts eve it's interesting that he doesn't tempt eve to lie it's interesting he doesn't tempt eve to murder it's interesting he doesn't tempt eve to to steal It's interesting that he actually tempts Eve with what God said. The scripture says in Genesis chapter three, you can read it. He says, did God really say? The very, very root of that is he was trying to get Eve to question, to doubt God's word. So here's what, doubt, what, here's what doubt does. It's a fork in the road, okay? It, it's, it can create an opportunity where we can go down the road of disobedience. We, we, we start to doubt the concept or the thought process of, of what God is asking us to do and we can walk in disobedience. Or there's another fork, another way, and that is it can actually drive us deeper in our faith with him. It can allow us to begin to study. See, this is why I believe in doubt as far as, when I say believe in it, I believe it can be healthy. Why? Because it's meant to drive us deeper to seek the truth. Here's what happens oftentimes when we doubt. We doubt, and so then here's where we try to find our truth. And let me tell you something. We all know up here, you know Up here, you are a little bit more cuckoo than anybody knows. So why in the world are we trying to seek truth based on what we think or feel? Because if we're really being honest with one another, we know in here it's all kind of a mess. And so here's what happens. Doubt is not meant to create this thought process of, okay, well, what is truth? Okay, well, I think it's this way and I feel it this way. And so now let me drive it. That's what Eve did. So let me drive it down the fork, my life down the fork of disobedience. Instead, God wants us when we have these moments of doubt, here's what it is. Okay, I understand. I don't understand or know what's going on. And so let me seek truth so I can continue to build my relationship and my faith in God to go deeper in him. Does that make sense? So it's not this concept of of disobedience, of of when I, if I doubt, if I have this moment of doubt, I'm walking in disobedience. No, it's now, it's a fork in the road. Am I gonna choose to believe this doubt to walk in obedience? Or am I gonna choose to seek the truth and begin to follow God and build my faith even deeper in my life? Does that make sense? It's so important that we understand this. It's also uh, the, the concept in Hebrews chapter 11, verse six. I wanna read this to you. It says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Zechariah loved Jesus. I would say, I would, I would bet on when we get to heaven, we can ask that Zachariah was living a life that was pleasing God. So wait a minute now, wait a minute, hold up. If is pleasing God and he doubts, and the Bible says right here, it is without faith, it's impossible to please God. Wait, we're we're contradicting, what's happening here? And my whole life, when I would read this scripture, I would always think, okay, I gotta believe, I gotta really believe, I gotta believe, because if I don't believe, God's not gonna be pleased with me. But that's not the concept of this scripture at all. It's not where God doesn't love us or please with us. He loves us and is pleased with us because of who he is, not anything that we do. His nature is to love us whether you believe in him or not. He loves you the same. This is why God is an unconditional loving God. He's unconditional in his love, meaning I can believe in him up here and he loves me and you can believe in and not believe in him out there and he loves you just as much. Because he's an unconditional God. This scripture, when it says, I love this, because we often stop at, it's impossible to please God without faith, and we stop. But the scripture actually says, if we move on, it says, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. Let me explain, okay, so here's what happens. Oftentimes we think, okay, if I don't believe in him, he's not pleased with me, he doesn't love me. No, that's not it at all. He loves us no matter what. But in order to honor him with my life, to bring a life of sacrifice and pleasing him with my life, I have to believe that he exists. I can't honor him and please him if I don't believe in my life that he exists. Does that make sense? So it's not that God's not pleased with me. It's that I can't honor him unless I'm truly walking and knowing him in my life. Does that make sense? See, how do we really please God? Let me explain. The most important thing to God is relationship with you and I. The most important thing to God in all of the world, the most important thing is that you would know him and how much he loves you. Well, how do we know this? We see this. He sends his son and his son dies on the cross. Why? So that we could be in right relationship with him. Because he desires to be in relationship with us. And so how do we please God? We can't please God unless we know him. And so how do we please him? By coming to know him. It doesn't mean we won't have moments of doubt in our life about situations, but it's understanding that he loves me whether I believe in him or not. But if I wanna really walk in pleasing him and honoring him, I wanna have a heart that desires to know him and walk with him in relationship with him. Does that make sense? So important that we understand this. And so here's what I have to say. Doubt doesn't mean we have moments or seasons or situations where we doubt and it doesn't mean God's displeased with you. It doesn't mean that you're walking in disobedience. It doesn't mean that you've been defeated and now you're just a sinner and you're just, you're just so far from God. No, there are seasons. I believe this. This man still was a follower of God. He still loved God. And yet he had a moment of, where he was doubting God's word. It doesn't mean God just kicked him off and said, well, see you later. No, God wanted to work, work through situations in his life to help him continue to build his faith in him. Make sense? Make sense? sense? Okay, good. And so you can't really, you can't really uh, please God without knowing God in your life. And maybe you're in this room today and, or online and you say, well, I don't believe in God. It's totally fine. To be honest with you, my, my goal today is not to convince you God is real. My goal is not to convince you that you should follow God and not follow God. That's not my role. My role is I wanna show you how much God loves you, whether you believe in him or don't. And I wanna show you that we love you. As a church, because there are so many places and so many people that have been in so many different places where they've been wounded or hurt because they don't believe or because they don't believe the same thing. And we just want to show you as a church that we love you. We could care less what you believe. (gasps) That's just who we are. Our heart is that we want you to know you're loved and we want you to know this is what we believe, that as you see how much you're loved, that you'll know there, there has to be something more to this life than just myself and what I'm walking through. That's our heart. And so this is my, my. If you're in this room and you're thinking, "Oh, here he goes," he's talking about dad. He's trying to convince me God's real. No, I'm not. I'm not trying to convince you. And people that are Christians are like, oh, "How could you not do that?" That's not my role. The Holy Spirit's going to convince whoever He's supposed to convince who He's real and who's not real. That's not my role. My role is to love you. And as I love you, and as we love each other, then the, God's going to reveal Himself to you the way He desires to. Does that make sense? And so maybe in the room you say, "I'm far from God." Oh, totally fine. You say, "Oh, you're just trying to convince me." If you don't convince, no, it's not. My role, in my heart is I want you to know that maybe you are walking through doubt in your life and you don't believe. I want you to know we love you. We care about you. And how about this? Whether you believe in him or not, he loves you. He's a God that literally he doesn't care if you believe him or not. He's still gonna love you exactly the same. Luke chapter one in verse 18, it says this. It says, Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure that this will happen? talking about removing the baggage of doubt we have to understand that everyone has has times of doubt but then two it says how can i be sure of this this will happen we have to understand that doubt stems from the lack of understanding doubt stems from the lack of understanding he says how can i be sure this will happen okay I know you're an angel of the Lord. Now, we, we got to pause here. We've got we to go into the scripture, and you've got you to get yourself there. Okay, he's praying. He's a, he's a priest. so He's supposed to be the one that believes God more than anybody. He's a priest. He's worshiping. He's, 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 do, he's, he's uh, laying a sacrifice of incense and uh, worshiping God, and all of a sudden, an angel appears. I don't know about you, but I haven't been worshiping recently, and all of a sudden, an angel shows up. And an angel shows up, and this is Gabriel, and so this is a large angel, and he's speaking to Zechariah, and here's what's interesting. Zechariah says, hmm, okay, I know you said this, and I know you're an angel, but how do I know this is gonna happen? uh, Buddy, I'm an angel. And so here's the here's what happens. We oftentimes understand we often get times get to the place of where if we can't understand it or don't understand it that is where our faith stops. Yeah. But I would say this. I would say true faith starts where my understanding ends. True faith starts when my understanding. Well, I don't understand why God's walking me through this. You're in a perfect spot to really walk in faith. Well, I don't understand why God's making me wait for my spouse. You're in a perfect time to let your faith rise up. In your life. Well, I don't understand why, God, why God's doing this. Or I, don't understand, I, don't, I don't understand what's happening. And, and you're in a perfect place of where God can truly allow you to build a deeper faith in him. Faith is, the Bible says, we don't walk by sight, but we walk by faith. And so oftentimes what we do is if we, under, we, we will believe it as long as we can understand it. And I believe this, that God wants us to know that it's not, faith goes beyond our understanding. And we see it in Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. We think this thought of if we, if we don't understand it, it can't be real. Well, I don't understand this God process, and I don't understand how he can heal me when the doctors say that there's no hope for me. Well, I don't understand how he can provide for me when the job and the numbers don't add up. I don't understand it. Just because we don't understand it doesn't mean God can't do it. Why? Because he is greater than our understanding. Oh my gosh, how pitiful it would be for us if we served a God who is only as big as our understanding. Because I don't know about you, but up here, we ain't so smart. You might be super smart. You might feel like you're the smartest person on the planet. But let me tell you something. God is bigger than our understanding. And no matter how smart you are, he's smarter. Just me? Cool. Just because we don't understand something doesn't mean God can't do it. And this is where faith should ignite in us. But oftentimes, this is where doubt will cripple us and it will cause us not to use faith and it'll cause us to shrink back because we don't understand it, because we don't understand it. Next thing you know, I'm starting to shrink back because I don't know how that could possibly work out or how that could actually work come into into play here. And God wants us to say, no, I want to dive deeper in my faith because I understand that he's bigger than what I'm feeling, what I'm seeing, what I'm thinking, what I understand. I know he's greater than this. Many years ago, uh, I... I went skydiving with some friends and um, I, I know many of you probably heard my skydiving story so I'm not going to go deep into it, but you know, the concept of skydiving is one of the most ridiculous concepts on the planet. Like if you go back to the first person that ever skydived, like somebody said, you know what we should do? We should get in a plane and we should jump out of it. That would be really cool. No, it isn't. Okay. Okay. But it's interesting because we paid this money to go skydiving and we do all the things we need to do and then we jump out of a plane and let me tell you something. I don't understand how a parachute works. I know it's in a bag. I don't know how they pack it up. I don't know how they get it all right. I don't know how it can shoot out so fast. I don't know how they do all that, but, but let me tell you something. In the moment of me flying down the, to the world, I can promise you this. I believe that that parachute's about to open. <laughs> and so oftentimes, it's, 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 I know I'm being funny, but oftentimes this is how it is in life. We think that, oh, well, we don't understand it, but all throughout life, we are doing things that we don't understand and we're believing it, this thing right here. The fact that you can press a button and you can see someone's face across the world is, I don't understand it. You're like, oh, well, let me explain it to you then, bro. Like, it's like, the, okay, you may understand. That's great. You may understand. But let me explain something. Let me, let me, I know, you may understand. You're like, oh, well, somebody created it so they understand it. Exactly because here's what happens. You can get to a place where someone who created this phone will understand exactly how it works and how, and why it works and how to make it work. It's the same thing with the creator of the universe. We will all as humans get to a place where we don't understand how or why or when or where, but we serve our creator, a God who loves us so much that we know his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And so even though We may not understand it. We don't let our understanding stop us from using it. No, we say, we believe that there's a creator that created this and it can help me. And so it's the same thing with God. We may not understand every detail of how he does things. We're not supposed to. We're supposed to put our trust in him and know he's greater than what I see and his thoughts and his ways are higher than my thoughts and his mind. Does that make sense? Faith starts at the end of our understanding luke chapter 1 and verse 18 it says zachariah asked the angel how can i be sure this will happen i am an old man and my wife is well along in her years come on somebody with the old people and when you praise god you know doubt is often i wrote this down doubt is often connected to disappointment or to trials doubt is often connected to disappointment or trials He doesn't doubt God, he believes in God. But he doubts God's word here and what God is saying through the angel Gabriel because of a disappointment that he's been believing for that he's not received and because of the, the concept of the trial that he has walked through for so many years. This oftentimes is what happens with doubt in our lives. We don't see something for so long. Here's what happens. We start to get to the place in our lives where we think, well, this is just life. When we're disappointed in a relationship and we thought it was gonna work out and we thought it was supposed to be right and we thought it was the one and he or she is the one that God sent and they are The one. And next thing you know, the one is with somebody else. And you're like, oh, no, that's not the one. And you become disappointed. But through disappointment, here's what happens. Through the disappointment of you not seeing it the way that you want to see it, it can cause us to think, well, now I'm just supposed to be single. I guess God just wants me single forever. Well, God, you know my heart. You know I don't want to be single. But, God, I guess this is me. It's the cross I have to bear And here's what happens. Through the disappointment, we can almost cause ourselves to begin to doubt God instead of trust God and know in his time, he's gonna bring the person that's right for me. And a disappointment of maybe carrying, having a miscarriage. For those that have had miscarriages, it's, it's a tragedy. It's a disappointment, but it can cause us to begin to doubt God on, on or doubt the situations on, okay, does God really want us to have children or whatever it may be. There's all different types of disappointments. For uh, Ashley and I, y'all know, we walk through infertility and the disappointment of infertility causes us to doubt God. Okay, God, do you really want us to have children? And okay, God, and there's, there's always these concepts that can happen through trials and through disappointment. It can get us to the place of where we start to think, this is just what it is. And it can cause us to not believe with the passion that we're supposed to believe with and this is why it's important that we continue to seek God and seek the truth and seek his word so that we would know and we would not allow our feelings our emotions, our trials our disappointments to lead us in what we believe and not believe does that make sense? Maybe it's, maybe it's a, a, a promotion in your life or a job opportunity that you've been wanting and you're, you're thinking, okay, well, I've never gotten the opportunity or I've never gotten the promotion and you can start to doubt that God wants you to do that or maybe you've heard God speak to you about ministry or maybe you've heard God speak to you about opening a business or maybe you've heard God speak to you about something with your job and it's not happened yet and through, through the, the long-term waiting process, the, the dream starts to die or the passion starts to die. Next thing you know, you start to doubt it. Maybe that's not what God wants, no if you've heard God stand on God's word and know in his timing what he's what he's saying is going to happen his promises always come true come true maybe it's your place with doubting and trials a disappointment a disappointment of not hearing God like someone else does or you're in a you're in a space like this room or you're in a worship setting and you begin to worship and people are worshiping and you hear someone, you've know, you talked to a friend afterwards and like, oh man, God was speaking to me about this. And you're saying, well, God never spoke to me. Well, God, where are you with, maybe God doesn't speak to me. Maybe God, maybe that's not, maybe me and God, maybe we're not supposed to, maybe it's not like that for me and him. And it can cause us to doubt. And that's not the case at all. We understand that doubt is often connected to disappointment and trials. So the question I would ask you is if you're in a season or a moment of doubt in your life, kind of evaluate what is, what is that rooted in? Is that rooted in a disappointment that's happened in your past? Is that rooted in a trial of maybe something as silly, I say as silly, but is something as serious even as maybe a family member in your life that you've been believing for for years? You've been believing that that relationship would be restored. You're believing that they'll come to know Christ. You're believing, and maybe it's been a year. Maybe it's been five years, maybe it's been 10 years, maybe it's been 20 years, maybe it's been 50 years and you've been believing and you've been believing, but here's what happens. We can get to the place of where we've seen it so long the way it is that we start to believe because we've doubted, we start to let the doubt cause us to believe that's the way it's always gonna be. That's why the Bible says we don't walk by sight, but we walk by faith, why? Because it's not about what we see, it's about believing who he is and that he knows what's best for you and I, amen? And continue to trust him in our lives okay we talked about what doubt is let me give you a couple things very quickly on how we can remove doubt in our lives and how we can continue to walk in faith with god luke chapter 1 and verse 18 he says zachariah asked the angel how can i be sure this will happen i am an old man and my wife is well along in her years the angel said i am gabriel i stand in the presence of god and i've i have been I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. I stand in the presence of God. And this is Gabriel. He's in the presence of God in heaven. And so here's what we need to do. If we're doubting, if we're walking through a season of doubt, if we're walking through a certain situation where we're doubting, we need to focus on God's character and not our circumstance. He said, I'm an old man. He said, "My wife's an old, 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 old woman, and she's well beyond her years." And uh, so, how is this going to work? He's focusing on his circumstance, but when and, and Gabriel responds to, I, "I stand in his presence." I want you to know I stand where God is, next to God, and we have to know his character. This is why he, come, he said, I've come to speak to you. I've been sent to speak to you on God's behalf, meaning this. God wants you to know his character. This is why it's so important that we don't get so focused on His our circumstances that it can cause us to forget or, or remove God's character in our lives. This is why praise is so important in our lives. Complaining allows us to focus on our situation of doubt. Worship and praise allows us to focus our attention on his character. We worship and we praise. And it allows us to say, this is why I love this, that he was burning incense. He, this was a symbol or an illustration of worship. He was worshiping God and Gabriel shows up. It shows us this picture of, okay, I wanna focus on God. How do I do that? Okay, I'm gonna continue to praise him and for my where I am. I'm gonna continue to praise him because I know he's good. I know Jesus over everything. I know Jesus over everything. Okay, well, God, I've been believing for five years. Jesus over everything. Okay, well, I've been struggling with sickness for for three years. Jesus over everything. Okay, God, I've been believing for a family member for 20 years. Jesus over everything. What am I doing? I'm focusing my attention on God's character and not on my circumstance because then I understand. And when I do that, I know God is big and my problem is small. If I'm focusing on my circumstance, my problem becomes big and my God becomes small. So it makes sense? And so we focus our attention on him and we make sure that we continue to, to worship and praise in, his, in our season. And I love this because Zechariah the angel says, it's kind of funny if you think about it. He says, okay, no more speaking. He says, you don't get to speak till the baby's born. Nine months, you don't get to speak. You're, you're done, you don't speak anymore. Now, every wife in the room was like, Amen, praise God. I can be speaking forever now and he can't say nothing. He just gotta shake his head. Mm Mm-hmm, baby, Mm mm-hmm, baby. Now I can use my 10,000 words. I can use 20,000 because he can't say nothing about it. You know what I'm saying? And he, he silences him. But I believe this is also very spiritual because oftentimes our doubt, we start to doubt. And here's what we do. We start to speak it over our lives. Oh, well, you know what? It's just, oh, well, so-and-so is always gonna be like this. Oh, well, I've always struggled with this. Oh, we start to speak the negativity over our lives. And I love it that the angel says, you're not gonna speak that. Why? Because you're not gonna give you an opportunity to speak negative things in your life and to your circumstance, because here's what it's gonna do. It's almost like a cycle. We doubt, we speak it, and because we hear it, ourselves speak it, we start to doubt it even more. Then we speak it even more. We grumble about it and we complain about it. And next thing you know, we we doubt even more. But then because we doubt more, we speak even more about it. Next thing you know, it's a cycle that we're in that's causing us to be into this pit of doubt because we've gotten to the place of where we've allowed ourselves to speak it for so long. Angel says, Gabriel says, "Uh uh-uh, no more. You ain't speaking. Nine months, watch it. It's gonna happen. For you and I, I think it's so important we're talking about focusing on God's character that you would know who he is and then that you would not speak or feed, if you will, the doubt or the complaining or the grumbling of what you're facing in your life, but that you would allow yourself to feed your faith by focusing on his his character. He loves me. He cares for me. His ways are higher than my ways. You speak it over your life and begin to allow yourself to hear it. I love the Bible says that faith comes by hearing. And hearing the word of God. I want to hear it in my life. I want to continue to hear the word so that I continue to focus on his character. Luke chapter one and verse 19. It says, the angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. Focus on God's character, not your circumstance. But right after he says Right after he says, speak to you and tell you this good news, this is when he says, how can this be? And I, I love this because it causes us to think, you know, he, he says this is good news. Excuse me, right before this, not right after this. He says this right before this. And he says, this is good news. Isn't it interesting that it's easy for us, easier for us to doubt good news than it is for us to doubt bad news? You ever thought about that? You hear something good. Somebody says, you know what, man, you're, such a, you're so good at this. Or, oh, you're, you know, like God's going to use you to do something great. Or, and you're like, okay, yeah, I hope so. But then someone says, man, you know what? You, you're real ugly. <laughs> and we immediately, I, I know I'm being funny about the ugly, but we immediately, we can take the negative And for some reason, human nature just attaches itself to it. But when we hear, we hear positive and good news, it's almost like it, we, we doubt it because we don't know if it's true. Well, it's because what I've walked through. Well, here's the deal. We're not supposed to be believing based on what we walk through. And this is why I wrote this down as a thought of how we can really remove doubt, how we can remove really doubt in our lives. You have to doubt the doubt. I know that sounds kind of crazy, but we have to doubt the doubt. He says, this is good news. He's doubting the negative. He's doubting the things in his life. And he says, this is good news. What would it look like? This is what I wrote down. This is what I was thinking this week. What would it look like if we started doubting the things that we doubt? What if you started doubting the voice in your head that says you're not good enough? What if you started doubting the voice in your head that said, you'll never dot, 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 dot? What if you started doubting the voice or the thought in your mind that says, oh, oh, you'll never get dot, 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 dot? What if instead of doubting that we will, we start to doubt the voice that says we won't? What would it look like if we start to feed ourselves that way and we start to really recognize, okay, that's doubt. No, you know what? That's the enemy. Nope, I know the enemy says that this is how it's always been. Nope, I'm not going to get caught up in how it's always been. Nope, I'm going to doubt that. Why? Because the word says dot, 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 dot. What would it look like if we started down to doubt? And this is where the scripture goes into where it says take captive of every thought that we would take moments where we would evaluate what we're thinking and not let ourselves ponder on things of things of doubt, but we would allow ourselves to catch those things and begin to doubt that. What if we spent the same energy and mental space on doubting the doubt as we do on doubting What if we spent, hear me, on relationships. What if we spent the same amount of energy and mental space on the the doubt that that relationship will ever be restored? And we start spending the energy on fighting that thought and allowing ourselves to say, No, I know what God says. I don't care what my own thought process says in my life. What if we spent the same mental energy? And, and, and focus and, and, and thought processes on, on, on the doubting of, I'm never going to get this job. I'm never going to make enough money. It's the family curse. We're, we're going to always live in poverty. Or, or my kid's never going to come back to Christ. Or my kid's never going to What if we spent the same amount of energy? on doubting those doubts and trusting God as we did on actually thinking about them and pondering about them and listening to them and believing them in our lives. What would life look like? Would we walk into work with more joy? Will we walk into church with a little bit more of a pep in our step because we know we're not just coming to church to, oh, I hope I make it. But no, I'm coming into church because I know that I'm worshiping the God that can take care of what it is that I've been struggling with. What if we spent the same amount of energy on the doubt, if we spent it on doubting the doubt? What would it look like? What would our lives, what would be different? Would we have more Peace. Will we be able to rest at night? When our our head's spinning and we're thinking and our brain's going and we're stressing and we're worried. What would life look like at work when we come in and we're not all stressed out like everybody else, even though the deadlines are the same? What would it look like if we started trusting God and doubting the doubt and saying, okay, God, we're just going to trust that you know what's best for us. And so, God, we put our our lives in your hands. We know it's going to come out better. And so we're going to spend the energy on doubting the doubt and trusting you instead of spending it on doubting you, and God, my life's gonna look different because of it. What'd it look like? For those that are single in the room, what'd it look like for you just to trust God and start doubting the doubt in your mind that says, I'm not good enough, I'm not pretty enough, I'm 22 years old and I'm supposed to be married at 22. God help us. (laughs) What would it look like? What would your relationships look like? What would your joy look like? What would your peace look like? For those that are married in the room believing for children, what would it look like? If you just say, God, I know you're in control. and I'm gonna doubt the lies I'm gonna doubt the doubt. I'm gonna spend the energy trusting you. What would your marriage look like? I believe it's so important because doubt, again, hits all of us in different seasons and different times. But as believers, for those of them call themselves believers in the room and online, that we have to be a people that are saying, okay, I understand it hits everybody But I need to be aware of this because I can't let it overtake me and I can't let it allow me to carry it in my life as baggage. Why? Because this will hinder me from running the race that I know God has set before me. Doubt in itself is not bad. In fact, I would go so far as to say, and you may call me crazy, I would say doubt in seasons and moments are healthy because it causes us to pursue and seek the truth. But if we carry the doubt around with us as baggage, what happens is it will end up hindering us from really being the people that we desire to be, from seeing the things in our lives that we desire for, to see, to from following God the way that we desire to follow him. And so the question I would ask you in your life is where's the baggage of doubt in your life? Where is it in your heart that you've been, what is it in your heart that you've been questioning and you've been wondering and you've been waiting and you've been frustrated even maybe? I would encourage you that you would trust God. You would give it to him and say, God, I know that you're greater than this situation and I'm gonna trust you even though I don't feel it. I'm gonna trust you anyway because I know that your ways are always higher than my ways. Amen. Can we pray today?